0: Welcome to the Community's Podcast. We greet you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus, whom we adore, of course. We pray this word will richly bless you and speak to your heart. Enjoy. Father, we just thank you for this time and we thank you for, the, for this space. I pray, Lord Jesus, Father God, that you would bless, Lord, the hearing of the word, Father Lord Jesus, this morning. And Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your goodness, Father God, would follow us all the days of our lives. I pray father lord jesus for open minds and open hearts and i pray father lord jesus this morning father god for a quick powerful word for, from you father dividing the flesh father dividing the bone cutting into the marrow that the word of god would penetrate our hearts lord jesus father that you would bring healing restoration And Father, that a peace would rest upon us today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you so much, Brahm. You may be seated. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. It is good to see some of you. It's it's great to see others. It is good to see you. Uh, My heart is a little bit heavy this morning, or yesterday, because um, there was the uh, passing of Bill Johnson's wife in this week that took place, and um, when I I saw it come through, the the feed, um, yeah, I was just very sad to see that, Uh, it just, something struck in my spirit when, when, when I saw that, because, you know, it's difficult to be a pioneer. You get criticized from all sides and oftentimes we, we raise our voices against people like Ray McCauley from Raymer or from, you know, uh, Brian Houston. Everybody knows what happened there recently from Hillsong and Bethel has received their own fair share of criticism. But the sad part is about it is if it wasn't for a Ray McCauley, then we would never have received so much information from the States coming into the church to equip the church oftentimes when you go and minister in the east you always hear about the wonderful you know wonderful things that they do there but most people don't know is that in the east in china there's a lack of knowledge of the word of god because there is a lack of material that comes through and if it wasn't for rhema church if you went down 10 years 15 years when when warren was still a little boy you know when he was when you went down to the KUM Bookstore, Christian Bookstore, and you picked up a CD and you turned it around, it was Raymer who made it possible for that CD to have even come into the country. If it wasn't for Brian Houston's heel Song, we would never have upped our game and music in the church. We still would have been singing those old you know, old hymns. You would have been working our old hymn book. Um, if, if, you, if it wasn't for, for heel Song, we would never have seen that. If it wasn't for for Bethel, Heelsong would never have upped their game because we know what Bethel music did. And there wouldn't have been a hunger for supernatural. And what Bethel did very well is they they actually helped a lot of missionaries because Bill Johnson's heart was for missionaries. So they funded a lot of missionaries to be able to go into Africa and Asia. And so our hearts go with them this morning. And there's just something it's always sad it's i don't know why these things sometimes hit you because i think you sometimes are aware of what's going on in that person's life and how much he needed that wife that partner to do what he was doing and so that that is um our thoughts and our hearts and our prayers go with them if you have your bibles matthew chapter number six this morning and we welcome everybody that's online Matthew chapter number six. So, um, this one question that I'm constantly asked is why is it I have this friend of mine, a very good friend. He started out with me in ministry and he was really a great support and he was a great intercessor and a great partner. And uh, I have this, you know, I have this expectation, you know, whenever I do anything, we've got people do this, my expectation is here. And then when people do that, my expectation is there. And you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those irritating guys that, you know, you always like raise the game, raise the bar of what you're doing. And um, I always said to him, Llewellyn, you're not completely useless. You can always be used as a bad example. He's like, why am I always getting it wrong? (laughs) It's because I keep raising the bar, I keep changing the game, keep changing the game. And the one question that I'm asked all the time is, why is it that when I pray, it feels like I'm hitting the ceiling, or when I pray, it feels like God's not answering my prayer? How many of you can relate? Okay, so why is it? and And then my friend would always say to me, why is it? I know that God doesn't show favoritism, but with you. I don't know. You seem to always get what you want or get what you're asking for. So today I want to share this key because I believe the reason for the church is for the equipping of the saints, that's you, to do the work of the ministry. That's to take care of the needs of the kingdom of God. And oftentimes the problem with our theology or the problem with our doctrine is we don't understand what the kingdom of God is. Because sometimes we mix church with the kingdom. And there is a difference between kingdom and church. When God said, I will call you my ecclesia, he called you the called out ones. That's the church. My church is the called out ones. Church is on a movement. Kingdom is something that is established. Here is a dominion. Here is a realm that you have to operate in. So that's different. Remember, the Bible says the gates of Hades shall not prevail. It doesn't say the gates of the kingdom. It says the gates of Hades. The only time you put a wall or a gate around anything is when you have come to the end of its growth. Whenever an empire has come to its end, it builds walls. And so when hell came to its end and did all the havoc it could do for 4,000 years, God watched and he was patient before he sent his son to start the church and said, the gates of Hades shall not prevail. So the church is called out to invade hell so the church is invading hell there is a there is so this is something i touched on two weeks ago when we was ministering um there is a, a great belief among scholars that believe that when jesus died even Mel gibson you know he made that movie the passion and the second movie he wanted to make was to say what did jesus do when he was in hell when he, what did he do when he was in hades because the bible is not really clear on exactly what he did for three days did he go on a holiday they go down and have a beach time he was like oh this is what hell looks like yeah he went down into hades and so that one of the that was a joke guys you know like, oh. you all heard the joke about the marketing department of hell right <laughs> so <laughs> okay so behave nicholas behave so um there's a there's a theory that says that when jesus went down he preached the gospel And your Bible says that he led captivity captive, which meant that when he went down, and the belief is that he went out and cleaned out hell, that he went out and showed them a way that they didn't know. Because if you were a thinker, you would ask this question. Okay, we get that the Jews, you know, they were there, Israel, and God had his little clan going. But what about the Chinese? And what about those, you know, barbarians that lived in Europe? And what about North America, South America? Because it's not like they had TBN and Jesus was there every weekend preaching the gospel. So what about them? Because God is a righteous God. So to go down and show them that he is the way to lead, lead captivity captive. So anyway, it sparks some thinking, and so Mel Gibson is also wanting to make a movie about it. And that's what he's been working on for the last couple of years, and so I'm very excited to see when that movie comes out. Okay, I'm the only one that goes to movies. I know I'm not fully delivered. I watch movies. I confess my transgression to the church. So in, in my praying on Monday, when I started praying this week to ask the Lord what he wants to share with the church, the one thing that dropped into my spirit was answered prayer. And for you to have a key this morning, hopefully, and how to get prayers answered. And so our crux verse this morning is Matthew 6, and you're there already. And I'm so tempted to read the whole scripture, the whole chapter. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Take heed that you do, not, that, that you do your charitable deeds before men. To be not to be seen by them to be seen by them take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven therefore when you do your charitable deed do not sound a trumpet before as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets and that they may have glory from men assuredly i say to you they have their reward. It would be nice if I had little music in the background, like birds chirping and stuff like the Bible that while I was reading this. Maybe we've got to sort that out next week, Jeremy. Verse three, but when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. This is key. From Genesis to Revelation is not about, it's called Israel, it's not about a guy called Paul or a guy called Moses. It's about the revealing and the nature and the character of God, which means this is how God does things. Which means when we read something like this, you're actually, Jesus is showing you the inside of how God does things. I'm pausing for effect so that you would know that your God sees things in secret, that God sees your intentions, your agendas, your motives, that God sees the conversations that you have in secret with other people. He hears everything. He's God. He knows everything. Nothing that you can What you do in secret, He will openly reward you. He will reward you in the open. Okay. Just wanted to drop that in. there. Verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who is in secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for the many words therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have in need of before you ask him some touch your name and say god knows what you need god knows what you need he doesn't always give you what you want but he gives you what you need In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses. I'm pausing for effect. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Uh, When God says something very clearly and very plainly, He's very serious about it. There's no guessing here what the condition is. If we choose not to let go of what people have done to us, God will choose not to let go what you have done against God. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrite with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves trespasses in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The things you care about is where your heart is and where the things that you care about is your reward. So if your reward is in earthly things, your heart will be connected to earthly things and not to heavenly things. Verse 22, the lamp of your body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. This is a very good scripture for husbands, if you want to maybe highlight it, in case your wife wants something from you. (laughs) Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows what you need but all things and here's the crux of the the, of the day but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you verse 34 do not be worried do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble verse 33 but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you to have answered prayer there is a prerequisite to answered prayer it is that you need to be first intentional about what's his you need to be first intentional about what he wants. Moses in Exodus 33 used to say this. He said, God, I will not leave this place lest your presence goes with me. You all remember that. He says, I won't go unless your presence goes with me. And then God says this to Moses He says, Go because my presence goes with you. And then Moses turns around and says, God, show me your ways so that I may know you. David comes in Psalm 25 and he says to the Lord, Show me your ways so that I may know you. Isaiah says in the book of Isaiah, God, show me your ways so that I may know you. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in the Philippians chapter number three, and he says that I may know him. You're getting the point is that unless you want to know him, what you will seek will be pointless. Because when you're interested in His kingdom, you're interested in His ways. Let me use some replacement theology to help you understand 6.33, Matthew 6.33. But first seek the kingdom of God, that's His heart. So first seek the heart of God and His righteousness, which is His ways. And all these things shall be added unto you. The word righteousness means to be in right standing with God. You're only in right standing with somebody when you know their heart and you know the intention and you know what they're wanting to do. Unless you are willing to let go of what you want to get to know him, what you're praying for is pointless because he won't answer it. Why won't he answer it? Because God is only determined to do his will, not yours. Let me show you this way. Elijah comes. You remember Elijah? He's the prophet in the Old Testament, right? Right? He stands before the Lord. he's got a message. He gets up as a preacher. He says, Israel, how long will you be between two gods? If God of Israel is God, serve him. If Ashtaroth or if Baal is God, serve them. So there were 400 prophets of Ashtaroth, there was 400 prophets of Baal. And then what happens is he puts two altars down and then he says, you guys go first. And he makes fun of them all day because he says, one who calls from fire from heaven to consume the altar, that's the one that's God. And so he waits. And they all do their little thing, they throw their little chicken lick and bones, they have their little dust, they throw, they do their little chant, they've got their little warrior dance, maybe they did a bit of a haka. I don't know what they did, but they did their thing the whole day and then nothing happened. And Elijah said, maybe Baal is sleeping, maybe he's got an out of office, check your emails. He Maybe Baal is doing something else. And after a whole day of nothing happened, uh, Elijah says this in six words in the Hebrew, six words. He calls fire from heaven by saying, If you're God, show them. And then fire. Wet altar and Alice burn. Like a Great barbecue. And then what happens? Elijah runs away from a woman. He preached his thing, he did his thing, he he ran away from. Uh, Jezebel. Why did he run away from Jezebel? Because God was saying to him, my will was to show them that I'm God. Your issue with Jezebel is your issue. I'm going to be there when you're preaching my word. But when you do your thing, you're going to have to sort out Jezebel. Come on, Elijah, show me who you are when he was doing god's will he was able to call fire from heaven to show them when he had the issue with jezebel when jezebel threatened his life and he ran away it was his issue his will let me show you something else romans chapter number one verse 10. very interesting sentence here the paul says this this is paul writing the letter to the church in rome he says this that i may find it in the will of god to come to rome this is very interesting because Paul is the most successful Christian in the New Testament. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, which by the way, he was responsible for planting, that he may find it in the will of God to come. Where can you say, show me God saying to Paul, go to Rome. But Paul had such a desire for Rome that he would seek out the will of God to go to Rome To plant a church and then, by the way, get locked up in prison for the sake of the gospel. To inquire what God wants over what He wanted. But I thought ministry was God's desire. But before I move, I must first check with the Lord. Let me cite you another example because I see some of you are looking at me going, Yeah, that's cute. Maybe two verses. Give me something else in the Bible. David. David becomes king. He steps up into his, he's his, his growing up into his authority. The Philistines come against him. They're there, ready to make war. You know what David did? He doesn't go and say, I took out a giant before, so come at me, because now I'm going to take the rest of you in. Like, I keep having that picture that Bianca did on stage. She's like, come at me, bro. Right? David could have taken on the Philistines because he had enough faith to take out a giant, so therefore he had enough faith to take out the Philistines. But before he encountered with the Philistines, what does your Bible say? He says, the Bible says this, that that David went and inquired of the Lord first. He said, should I go up against the Philistines? In other words, before I engage with an enemy, do you want me to engage with the enemy? Before you take on that person in the office, does God want you to take on that person in the office? Then the Philistines come at him again after he whips them. He lays the smaggity down on a Wednesday night like you have in WWE. He whips out the Philistines. And then the Philistines come at him again. And then what does David do? God, should I go up against the Philistines? When you're living in the kingdom of God, the point is this. When you're living in the kingdom of God, you're under and subject to the dominion of the kingdom. Let me make it a practical example. I'm going to use Shoal, and I'm going to use Richard as an example. And I always make Shoal the bad guy, but he's going on holiday this week, so I'm going to make him the good guy, right? So, he's like, thank you, Jesus. This is key to understanding this. If you don't understand this concept, you won't. you'll miss this. And when you're praying you won't see the answers to your prayers so bear with me so in the week the bishop of the church that's me so he says monday night all the way to sunday we're doing something in the church so richard his uh monday night comes and he goes monday nights is the rerun of baywatch so he puts on his hawaiian shirt with an open button and alka rubs his hairy chest while he watches Baywatch. So he's like, I'm not going to come to church. Tuesday night, we have prayer. Richard's like, well, it's been a hectic day at work. I don't think that I'm going to make Tuesday night prayer. He doesn't come. Wednesday night comes, and we've got something happening midweek, teaching from the bishop, straight from heaven, the words of God, putting it out to the church. And Richard's like, I've had enough of Alka this week. She's cooking like her mother again. And then... He leaves and then he comes to church. Thursday night comes and we have a connect group and we're sitting here and we're fellowshipping study Bible. Richard's like, I was there you last night. I'm going to take, take Thursday night off. Friday night comes, the bishop had the youth pastor have youth and so the youth pastor was out having youth. And so then Richard said, well, I'm not going to come. I've already got a wife. I don't need to look for any other woman. So I won't be coming to youth on Friday night. Saturday we have Saturday guys and so Richard pitches up on Saturday because he doesn't feel like cleaning the gutters or cutting the grass. Sunday comes and Richard's like well oh, I better pitch up at church or else the bishop is going to make an example of me. So Richard comes to church on Sunday. Now we have Shoal. Shoal has committed his life to Jesus. He's given his life over to the law. Monday comes, he has a tough day at work, but he comes home going, because he's a man of God. He's not just a man of God, he's a man of God. right? Anointed. Anointed. And he asks the Lord. The bishop's got something out on Monday, had a tough day at work. Father, what do you want me to do? And God says to him, I want you to go to church. And so he prays for his wife, he lays hand on all three of his children, he gets onto the Honda and he drives like Mark Van Stappen from the Formula One guy, he rocks up at church, he's here to be available to be used. Tuesday night comes, we have prayer, he prays and he asks the Lord what must he do and the Lord says go Tuesday night prayer and he comes Tuesday night, Wednesday night comes and he goes Lord what must I do and the Lord says spend time with your wife and he spends time with his wife, Thursday night comes, he asks the Lord what must he do and the Lord says take Hannah and he call out his two little girls and go play soccer outside on the grass and he does that too, Friday night comes the Lord says to him I want you to go to youth and I want you to stand at the back there and just pray for Warren, he needs a lot of prayer and so Shaul then decides to do that. Saturday comes, God says to him, I want you to Saturday, guys, the bishop needs you. He's going crazy. And so Shaul rocks up on Saturday. Guys, Sunday comes, the Lord says to Shaul, Shaul, take your wife, take a picnic basket and go tell her how much you love her and serve her like Christ loves the church. What's the difference between these two guys? Besides the fact that Richard likes Baywatch. Here's the difference. One of them did what he wanted to do. The other one kept checking in with Jesus what he wanted to do because when you are a subject to the kingdom of God your life does not belong to you because he paid a very high price for it he asks the Lord what must he do and the Lord tells him what to do it's not about your faithfulness to the church it's about your faithfulness to Jesus because every single one of you belongs to him I didn't die on the cross for none of you I didn't adopt any of you into the kingdom it was God himself who gave himself for you and so for you To be subject to the kingdom of God means everything that I do, I need to check with him. And even when I pray, I ask him, what should I be praying? So when I go out and pray, and I go, and my wife has been in my ear, and she says, Nicholas, we need a bigger house. And then my father-in-law's in my ear, and he's like, Nicholas, you need another car. And then my mother is in my ear, and she's like, you need to pray for this family member. And then Shauls in my ear, and he's like, you need to pray for my wife, she's crazy. And then Richard's in my ear, and he's like, help me, help me play better tennis, pray for me. All of these prayer requests come to me. And what do I do? Father, what do you want me to pray about? I don't pray what you want me to pray. I pray what he wants me to pray. Because when I ask him, what do you say over Shoal, the Lord will tell me to say something to him that's got nothing to do with his request. It's got to do with his request. Because when I go and pray, I am not your servant, I'm his servant. When I go out and pray, I'm not here to pray your will, I'm here to pray his will. Because when I declare his word, then his will begins to take place, and my prayer is answered. Did I get what I wanted? Yes, because I lined Myself with what he wanted. Because it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. So when it writes in Psalm 21 that God, you give the king the desires of his heart, he's not saying that he's giving him what he wanted. He's telling him what to want. When you ask the Lord what do you want he begins to tell you things and when you begin to move in that direction all of a sudden other things just begin to work out for you for your good let me cite more example for you one day monday i have to go to work because i work monday to friday and it's monday and i get the sunday blues okay i get the sunday blues none of you you're all great saints you all love your jobs but i'm Sunday night in the shower, holding myself, crying, singing me a little lullaby. Take out all the warm water in the geyser. And my wife's mad at me again. And I feel so sorry for myself. And I say, Lord, must I go to work on Monday? You know I work for the devil's stepson. And the Lord says to me, I want you to go to work. And all of a sudden I healed to what he wants. And he extends a grace to me. To overcome then tuesday comes and i say lord must i go to work and the lord says call a sick day believe it <laughs> believe in now when i call a sick day i didn't go popcorn and decide to watch matrix trilogy when i call a sick day i say lord what do you want me to do he says i want you to pray And when I begin to pray, I go to work on Wednesday and I say, guys, what happened? They say, nothing happened. It was quite a chill day. And I accomplished more in the spirit on Tuesday by yielding to what he wanted me to do. And then I get given grace that even my boss doesn't even check in with me. And all of a sudden, I'm ahead in my work and I'm not behind. Uh, When I yield to what God wants, it's not always easy But when I heal to what God wants, He always gives me grace and mercy to overcome any obstacle. When I heal to what God wants, I am subjecting myself to the kingdom of God rule. Shoals going in a holiday. When Shoals going to a holiday, any good man of God checks in with the Lord. Do you want me to go on holiday? Oftentimes God will tell me no, and when He says no, all of a sudden there's an accident on the highway that I avoided. The highway was closed. Something took place. And then there are times where God says to me, yes, go. And then I go, and I experience this rest that I got in five days that other people couldn't get in 21 days. When you are yielding to the kingdom of God, when I first seek His kingdom, when I first seek His righteousness, when I seek His ways, and when I seek His heart, God gives me a grace that I walk under that nobody else has access to. And yet when I'm praying for things, he just adds. Let me show you another example. I'm sitting, we just started this prayer meeting called the Saturday Guys and the Lord says to me, I want you to buy that PA system. It was like 7,000 rand at the time. So I'm sitting in the back of the church and I begin to chuckle. I'm like, okay, Lord, because I didn't have 7,000 rand. I get up to go to the bathroom And a man who was part of a Saturday guys comes to me and says, look, the God spoke to me I said, I just need to give you 4,000 rand for whatever. I don't know what the law wants to do. Here's 4,000 rand. When I was in a job and I was working for a very difficult man, he tried to fire me. He literally tried to get rid of me. He gave me uh, the worst portfolio. I had the least amount of experience and I was getting paid the least. And yet when I asked the Lord, what must I do? Because I had my resignation letter typed up because the guy just didn't like me. He thought I was a spy because I came from a different department to this department. He told me that. My first one-on-one with him lasted three hours and I said nothing. That's literally, I'm in the oak of sending you a message. I asked the Lord, what must I do? The Lord says, stay. I'm like, really now? I'm like, I don't think I'm hearing right. <laughs> Something's broken. Hold on, let me check. <laughs> and then he's like, Stay. And then he says to me, He gives me a chapter in his eye. He says, I have given another one for you, O oh Jacob. Don't fear, you worm. And all of a sudden, the other guy in our department gets fired in that two weeks later. I get favor with this guy that after two years of Sheol, hell, after two years of hell, he becomes my biggest ambassador, that when I moved to a different department, he's sitting with all the managers in a collaboration session and he rates me the highest I've ever been rated for. And he says, Nicholas deserves this because he works harder than anybody else. Because I was first in the office and I was lost on a Friday night, eight o'clock at night, still sitting with him. So, it was God rewarding me for me staying and yielding to what the Kingdom wanted and not what I wanted. Because i subject myself to a higher power, to a rulership called the Kingdom of God. Let me ask you this question, before you bought what you bought, did you check in with Jesus? Before you went on holiday, did you check in with Jesus? Before you decided to get married to that crazy person, did you check in with Jesus? Before you got a dog in your house, did you check in with Jesus? Because you wanted a companion, but God wanted you to be free so that you could intercede for the church. Did you ask the Lord what he wanted to do with you? When you stood there buying a car, you went, that car or that car? I don't know, which one do you want me to take Jesus? I want this one because it's nicer. Nicholas, I want that one that looks like a mother's bus, you know, that like soccer mom's bus. He's like, yes, because you're going to be driving some people around. When I healed to what God wants and I healed to his rulership, this is what Jesus meant when he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his ways. And all these things shall be added unto you. That god would give you such favor that your bosses would give you higher bonuses he would give you such favor that when i'm asking lord what must i do while your child is sick god tells you to go do something else because he's busy healing your child while you're busy doing something else i remember a family member of mine a very close person had struggled for 10 years caught in sin and for 10 years when i asked the lord what must i do the lord says leave him don't talk to him leave him i just say hi hi you Okay, we have nothing in common. Until the day, I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord says to me, now, talk to him. Go for a coffee now. Go for a coffee and all of a sudden God delivers him from 10 years of being trapped into some sin. When you wait on the kingdom of God, it's not about when you want it, it's about when he wants it. It's not about how you want it, it's about how he wants it. When God becomes comfortable in your life, Let me say it this way god inhabits the praises of his people amen he's the king of kings amen so god likes to be comfortable i don't know when last you guys checked what kings like but maybe go watch some programs youtube it see what it looks like when a king walks into a room you've got people that got all these orders you know make sure the carpet is rolled down make sure things are comfortable don't bother the king right so when your life becomes a praise and he inhabited, he likes things to be comfortable. So therefore, God doesn't like your poverty. So when you inhabit him, when you capture him in your praise, he begins to take care of your poverty because he doesn't like to be poor. Because he's not broke, because his word says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it. It's his. Everything belongs to him. God doesn't like to be sick. He's God. He can't get sick. When you praise him and you inhabit, he inhabits your praise. All of a sudden, the people in your house become healed. All of a sudden there's healing in your house. All you have to do is get him into your house. All you have to do is get him in your house. What about your thoughts? What are your thoughts captivated with? Because if he is on your mind, if he is on your mind, all of a sudden your mind begins to switch over and the depression begins to go, the anxiety begins to go, the trauma, the stress begins to go, because you have consumed your mind with Him and what He wants. Every time you pick up this word, it's not about just becoming fancy so I can quote a scripture at the next Bible club, it's about finding out who He is and what He is saying to you. Don't get into a religious habit of just quoting scripture, but get into a habit of saying, I want to know your heart, show me your ways so that I may know you. Because once I know you, all of a sudden there becomes this, this stepping into a, uh, an overcoming power. Once I know you, all of a sudden I begin to step into this realm of favor. I have favor with God, therefore I have favor with man. I have such favor that even SARS decides to pay me tax back because God's... Are you, are you catching what I'm saying to you, that if you are, just consume yourself with what he wants, he will tell you how to direct your life. He says to me, Nicholas, I don't want you to go see those people. Why? Because you need rest and I give my beloved rest. Uh, Nicholas, I don't want you to go pray right now. I want you to spend time with your wife. Why? Because she's thinking about leaving you because you're so crazy. Okay, Lord, I'll go spend time with my wife. Lord, Nicholas, I need you to go spend time with your children. You know how often when I've sat with family members where the woman was just subject, she was just willing to hear God, where God will say to her, go into your son's room and open such and such drawer. And then you open up in such and such drawer and all of a sudden she finds a bag of weed. Or, or go into your son's room, open such and such door and, such a, and all of a sudden you find the issue issue there that the son is dealing with or you find some things that you see what your son is struggling with because I've yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit because God tells me what to do from Sunday to Sunday. Using the example of Richard and Joel, one is willing to yield to his rulership. The other one is yielding to what he wants to do. When you do what you want to do, you have to sort out your own issues like Elijah had to sort out Jezebel. But when you healed to him, he sends fire from heaven. He tells the ravens, the birds to come and feed him. He says to him that brook has dried up, so it's time for you to move on, Elijah. It's God who then provides. It's God who then shows you the way that you should go. And when you go his way, doors just begin to open up. Oftentimes the problem is this, we refuse to subject ourselves to anything that the Spirit of God is doing because we want it our way, because we feel like Frank Sinatra, and for the younger people in the room I mean Bon Jovi, there's somebody that just wants to do it his way, someone that just wants to prove that he's done it the way that he wanted to do it. And when you do it your way, you have to deal with the issues. You married that person, shut up, you're supposed to be committed, marry that person. But if you check in with God, and you marry that person who God told you to marry, all of a sudden things begin to work out the way that they should have been working out. you following what I'm saying to you. Let me cite you the final example. When you are a citizen of the United Kingdom, not the United Kingdom of God, I almost said the United Kingdom of God, when you're a citizen of the United Kingdom, say, Lord, you're just on my heart, I just wanted to let you know. When you're a citizen of Britain, Ireland, Scotland, they have something called the national health system. When you jump off on the side where the pavement is onto a beach and you kick a a stone that's under the sand and you break your toe. I'm speaking from, like I know someone that did that. And you break your toe, right? And you go to hospital on a Sunday afternoon You don't have to pay the bill because you're part of the United Kingdom. You're a citizen, you have a passport. The king pays for it. But when you're the same citizen, decides to go down to a place called Hermanus, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he decides to do the same stupid activity and he breaks his toe. Although he's a citizen of the United Kingdom, he has to sit in Hermanus' hospital and he has to pay the bill. Because the closer you is to the King, the more that he has of the benefits of the kingdom. The closer you live to the King of God, the more you have access to his benefits. The more your life looks like it's in the rulership and yielded and subjected to the kingdom of God, the more benefits you have access to. So, what does your life look like? The decisions that you make, the thoughts that you inhabit. Do you know that when you, as a man, look with another another woman with lust in your eyes, God says, "I." see this as if you have committed fornication. I see that if you're married, it's a double whammy. You've also then committed adultery. In other words, when you have looked at another person with desire that is not part of your covenant, when you've just looked and you have just harbored a thought, God holds it against you and says, you have sinned in this very moment. Why do I point that out? Because if he feels like that about your thoughts, should your thoughts not be subject to how it happens in the kingdom? When I have an issue with Shaul, and he's my brother-in-law, so we have lots of issues. It's a weekly affair. That's a joke, but they look like it's serious. When I have this issue with him, God knows my heart and says, Nicholas, you should be walking in forgiveness. You read it. If you don't choose to forgive Shaul, I won't forgive you. If I choose to hold on to an issue with him, when I stand up here, I can act like a clown. I can have different kinds of hairstyles. I can put my pony in different ways. I can wear fancy jackets. I can do what I want to do, but God still has something against me because I have something against him. It goes so much further that if you read Matthew chapter number five, it says, if you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go sort it out with your brother. Let me give you an example how that worked with me. My older brother and I a couple of years ago had a tiff, as brothers do. The scripture actually says brothers are born for adversity. It's a biblical thing when brothers fight. Don't judge me. And so when I was having a tiff with him, he was completely in the wrong. Not just because I'm a preacher. He was completely in the wrong. He was completely wrong. I thought I was gonna punch him. My dad actually walked between us. He was like, I'm about to drop my shoulder. I'm just gonna look around if there's anybody in the church You know christians got to be christians and so i have this issue and as i drive away the lord says if your brother has something against you go make right with your brother and leave your gift and your gift is worship unto the lord in other words god won't receive my worship lest i've sorted out with my brother therefore my worship and i do it daily i don't know about you i'm daily in prayer, daily in worship, daily seeking. I have to, if you know know what goes on in my mind, I have to be with God daily. I have to find him daily. That I had to phone my brother up, although he was completely in the wrong. I just want to point that out. He was completely in the wrong, and I had to say, forgive me (laughs) if I have wronged you, my brother. Now the Lord can receive my worship. I'm going to leave you with this final thought. Proverbs chapter number 3. You can go there. Let's go there. Proverbs chapter number 3. Let me read it for you. Verse 6. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The word acknowledge there is the Hebrew word yada. It is the same word that is used when it says, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore unto him another son called Seth, who replaces Abel whom Cain slew. Genesis chapter four. It is the same word to say knew, as in I knew someone intimately to such a place that they would give birth to something. It is the same word that we would use the word to know. So in other words, what the scripture is saying here, in all of your ways, know him. Someone say all of your ways. All of your ways when you're cooking for them kids that you want to strangle, know him. When you're with your husband and you have to pick up his wet bathroom towel again, know him. When your wife is sitting there and she's saying, okay, it's now nine o'clock at night. I know you're trying to relax, but now we have to talk about some stuff. Know Him. When you come to church and you raise your hands, know Him. When you go to work and what you do there, you work for God, not for men, know Him. When someone sinned against you and they did wrong to you, like someone sitting here, know him what did he do when they wronged him he turned the other cheek what did he do when they wronged him when he was hanging on a tree he said father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing what did stephen the martyr do in acts chapter number seven when they were throwing stones at him to kill him for preaching the gospel not because he was a criminal he stephen looked up and said god do not hold the sin against them in other words, when you see them, Lord, don't think of them as murderers. When they speak ill of you and they criticize you and they take you to, to, to school or lunch or dinner, whatever they do, know him in all of your ways. And when I pray, I know him. I know him. I know what he would say. I know what he would do. I know what he wants from me to love them unconditionally, as I have loved you unconditionally. But first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, not yours. And all these things shall be added unto you. Don't think for one minute that I'm saying what I'm saying is easy. It's very difficult. I would use other words, but I'm a Christian and I can't say that. But it's hard. When you have to acknowledge Him in all of your ways, when your wife puts her finger in your face, not that my wife would ever do such a thing, but she'll say what she says, to know him in this moment. Lord, how do you see her? Love her, Nicholas. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Love her, Nicholas. And I love her. When your child turns around and says, I want nothing to do with you, know him in this moment. What would you do? Love him, Nicolas. I love him. When your boss tries to throw you under the bus and talks ill of you, what should you do to know him in this very moment, that blessed as am I when they speak ill of me. Thank you Jesus. I never understood this principle in the book of Acts. Every time the disciples were persecuted, you know what they did? They rejoiced. And I was like, these guys are crazy. Until it happened to me, not that somebody beat me up, I'm six foot four, 120 kilograms, you know. Like, just letting you know. But when they spoke ill of me, and I had a worship leader throw me under the bus, I was like, thank you, Jesus, I was worthy to be persecuted. Thank you, Jesus, that my Christianity has come to such a place that somebody has an issue with me. Thank you, Jesus, I am worthy to be persecuted. Know him in all of your ways. Every decision that you make, invite him in. What should I cook tonight for dinner? I don't know. Did you ask Jesus? The Lord may be saying to you, you need to do some fasting. 120 kgs. When I ask the Lord what I should do, he invites me into places, and he works with me for my breakthrough. When I ask the Lord what I should eat, he lets me eat things that are good for my body that brings healing. When I ask the Lord who I should befriend, he tells me to befriend sinners so that they may see him. And he keeps me away from people that would stab me in the back. When I asked the Lord this lifestyle that I lived, and trust me, it gets harder when you have more people added to you. But when I lived this lifestyle and I asked every single time, God, what must I do? And I used to do seven day week ministry, which means every night I was out. I was working and at night I would go out to minister and I would do things. I would just go to a club and I'd ask the Lord, must I go to this club? And the Lord said, go. I said, Lord, must I go to this bar? And the Lord said, "Go." I'm like, Lord, I've got long hair. There's smoke, it's going to be in my hair. I've got to go late night shower. It's just, you know, the struggle is real. The Lord said, go. And then a the Christian leaders would invite me into a braai. And as I climbed into the car, I say, okay, cool, I'm going to go. I say, oh, hold on. Should I go? He says, no. Say, what now? He says, no. And I stay away from that group, and it comes out later that there were some ill intentions there. Things that would have led me into the wrong way. When I ask the Lord, what should I do? And I live a life subjected and healed to the kingdom. God gives me all these things without even me asking for them. Because he knows what I need, that's what the whole chapter said, that's why I read it out. He knows what you need, he knows what you need, do you know what he needs? Do you know what he needs? The purpose of a church, for the equipping of the saints, to do the work of the ministry. The word ministry and the word service is the same word in the Greek, when they just translated, Meaning that you are there to serve the needs of the kingdom. What does the kingdom need of you this week? I need a healed man, I need a healed woman because when I healed to him that what I do becomes more intentional and God blesses it. So don't just give to a church because we want to manipulate you and I need a new, you know, car and petrol is expensive. Don't just give but ask the Lord, what must I give? How much must I give? Don't just go out and have fun with your friends and your people. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, oh, and he'll tell you, trust me, God likes to party. He likes to party. God loves people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you think God likes to love? We are created in his image and his likeness. Oftentimes, your desires is the desires are placed in your heart. Now, I'm not saying for those who struggle with these things, go out to a club or to a bar, don't be stupid. You know what you struggle with. But healed to him is what I'm saying. Healed to his rulership is what I'm saying. Healed to what he wants to do with you this week. Ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? When I ask the Lord, what is it that he wants from me? He says to me, Nicholas, I want your thoughts. But God, I can give you my time. Look at me. I work out. No, I want your heart. Other times, I'm like, God, I've got this car. I can pick up all these people. Nicholas, I want you to drive past them. Why? Because I want to be alone with you. You see how that life looks different to a person who then has this religious behavior, they're just trying to do the right thing to be right with God? How different it looks when you're healed into the kingdom? Because He be- owns you. You belong to Him. He belongs to you. So on that note, my prayer for you this week is that you would heal to the leading of the Spirit of the Lord and that the kingdom of God will rule over your life and that your mind would be subject to Him and His leading in every area of your life.